the portal and the three ladies of Baghdad. Once upon a time there was a porter in Baghdad. He was a bachelor and remained unmarried. It came to pass on a certain day, as he stood about the street, leaning idly upon his bed, behold, there stood before him an honorable woman in a mantilla of Mosul silk, bordered with gold and bordered with rafal. Her walking shoes were also perfumed with gold, and her hair floated in long plaits. She raised her face veil and shone two black eyes fringed with jetty lashes, whose glances were soft and languishing, and whose perfect beauty was ever languishing. She accosted the porter and said in the smallest tones and choicest language, Take up that grit and follow me. The porter was so dazzled, he could hardly believe that he heard her aright, but he shouldered his basket and put his saying in himself, Oh, day of good luck! Oh, day of Allah's grace! and walked after her till she stopped at the door of a house. There she rapped, and presently came out to her an old man, a Nazarene, to whom she gave a gold piece, receiving from him in return what she required of strained wine, clear as olive oil, and she set it safely in a hamper, saying, Lift and follow, quoth the porter. This by Allah is indeed an auspicious day, a day propitious for the granting of all a man wishes. He again hoisted up the crate, and followed her till she stopped at a fruiterer's shop and brought from him shami apples and osmani quinces and omani peaches and cucumbers of Nile growth and Egyptian lions and sultani oranges and centrons. Besides, alevin jasmine, scented myrtle berries, damasine nenophars, flowers of credit and camomile, blood red anemones, violets, and pomegranate bloom, eggnantine and narcissus, and set the hole in the porter's crate, saying, Up so he lifted and followed her till she stopped at a butcher's booth and said, Cut me off ten pounds of mutton. She paid him his price and he wrapped it in a banana leaf, whereupon she laid it in the crate and said, Hoist a porter. He hoisted accordingly and followed her as she walked on till she stepped at a grocer's where she bought dry fruits and pistachio flowers, mehala raisins, shelled almonds, and all wanted for dessert, and said to the porter, Lift and follow me. So he offered his hamper and after her till she stayed at the confectioner's and she bought an earthen platter and piled it with all kinds of sweetmeats in his shop, open work tarts and fritters scented with musk and soap cakes and lemon loaves and melon conserves and Zainab's combs and the lady's fingers and Kazi's titwits and goodies of every description and placed the platter in the porter's crate whereupon quoth he, being a merry man. Thou shouldst have told me, and I would have brought with me a pony or a she-camel to carry all this market stuff. She smiled and gave him a little cuff on the nape, saying, The part and exceed not in words, for Allah willing thy wage will not be wanting. Then she stopped at a perfumer's and took from him ten sorts of waters, rose-scented with musk, grange, lore, water lily, willow flower, violet, and five others. And she also bought two loaves of sugar, a bottle for perfume, spray, a lump of male incense, aloe wood, ambergris, and musk with candles of Alex Andrea wax. And she put the whole into the basket, saying, Up with thy plate, and after me. He did so, and followed, until she stood before a greengrocer's, of whom she bought pickled safflower and olives and dry linen oil, with tarragon and cream cheese and hard Syrian cheese. And she stowed them away in the crate, saying to the porter, Pick up thy basket, and follow me. He did so. 
and went after her till she came to a fair mansion fronted by a spacious court and tall fine place which columns gave strength and grace and the gate thereof had two leaves of ebony inlaid with plates of red gold the lady stopped at the door and turning her face veil sideways knocked softly with her knuckles whilst the porter stood behind her thinking of not save her beauty and loveliness presently the door swung back and both leaves were opened whereupon he looked to see who had opened it and behold it was a lady of tall figure some five feet high and model of beauty and loveliness brilliance and symmetry and perfect grace her forehead was flower white her cheeks like the anemone ruby bright her eyes were those of the wild hunter or the gazelle whose eyebrows like the crescent moon which ends shakabari and begins ramazan her mouth was a ring of Suleiman, her lips coral red and her teeth like a line of strong pearls of animal petals her throat recalled the antelopes and her breast like two pomegranates of even size stood at bay as it were her body rose and fell in waves below her dress like the rolls of a piece of brothel and her navel was with an arms of benzon altar and finally she was like her of whom the poet said on sun and moon of pallas cast thy sight enjoy her flower-like face her fragrant light thine eyes shall never see in hair so black beauty encased at brown so purely White. The ready rose cheek proclaims her claim, the fail her name whose beauties we indict. As sways her gait, I smile at hips so big, and weep to see the waist they bear so slight. When the porter looked upon her, his wits were waylaid, and his senses were stormed so that his crate weren't high to fall from his head, and he said to himself, Never have I in my life seen a day more blessed than this day! Then quoth the lady portress to the lady cateress, Come in from the gate and relieve this poor man of his load. So the provisioner went in, followed by the portress and the porter, and went on, till they reached a spacious ground floor hall, built with admirable skills and beautiful with all manners of colors and carvings, with upper balconies and groined arches, and galleries and cupboards and recesses, whose curtains hung before them. In the midst stood a great basin full of water, surrounding a fine fountain, and at the upper end of a raised day, was a couch of juniper wood set with gems and pearls, with a canopy like mosquito curtains of a red satin silk, looped up with pearls as big as filberts and bigger. Thereupon sat a lady bright of blue, with brow-beaming brilliancy, the dream of philosophy, whose eyes were fraught with Babel's grammary, and her eyebrows were arched as for archery, her breath breathed ambergris and perfumery, and her lips were sugar to taste, and carnelian to see. Her stature was so straight as the letter eye and her face shamed the noon sun's radiancy and she was even as a galaxy or a dome with the golden marquetry or a bride displayed in choicest finery or a noble maid of Araby right well of her sang the bard when he said her smiles when rows of petals display chamomile buds or wine spray and fill thy breast thy secret to conceal how canst thou hope another's breast shall hold and Abu Nawas said well on the same subject. Who trusts this secret to another's hand, upon his brow deserveth a burn of brand. When the porter heard their words, he rejoined, By your lives, I am a man of sense and discreet, who hath read books and pursued chronicles. I reveal the fair and conceal the foul, and I act as the poet advisor. None but the good keep a secret. 
And good men keep it unrevealed. It is to me a well-shot house with case locks and doors. Ullin maidens heard his verse and its poetical application addressed to them. They said, The noise that we have laid out on our is on this place. Now say, hast thou aught to offer us in return for entertainment? For surely we will not suffer thee to sit in our company and be our cup companion and gaze upon our faces so fair and so rare without paying a round sum. What is thou not the saying? Sons hope of gain, love's not worth a grain. Whereto the lady portrait added, If thou bring anything, thou art a something. If nothing, be off with thee, thou art a nothing. But the procuratrix interposed, saying, Nay, oh my sisters, please by Allah, he had not failed us this day, and had he been other, he had never kept patience with me. So whatever be his shot and scot, I will take it upon myself. The porter, overjoyed, kissed the ground before her, and thanked her, saying, By Allah, these monies are the first fruits this day hath given me. Hearing this, they said, Sit thee down and welcome to thee. Sit thee down and welcome to thee. Sit thee down and welcome to thee. And the endless lady added, We may not suffer thee to join us save on one condition, and that it is, that no questions be asked as to what concerneth thee not, and forwardness shall be soundly flogged. Answered the porter, I agree to this, O my lady, on my head and my eyes be it. Look ye. I am dumb. I have no tongue. Then arose the provisioners, and tightening her girdle, set the table by the fountain, and put the flowers and sweet herbs in their jars, and strained the wine, and arranged the flask in row, and made ready every requisite. Then sat she down, she and her sisters, placing amidst them the porter, who kept deeming himself in a dream. And she took upon the wine flagon, and poured out the first cup, and drank it off, and likewise a second and a third. After this, she filled a fourth cup, which she handed to one of her sisters, and lastly, she crowned a goblet and passed it to the porter, saying, Drink the dear draught, drink free and thin, what healeth every grief and pain. He took the cup in his hand, and laughing low, returned his best thanks, and improvised, Drain not the bowl, save with a trusty friend, a man of worth who's good old, for wine like wind sucks sweetness from the sweet, and stinks. When over stench it happily glows, drain not the bowl, save from dear hand like shine, the cup recall thy gifts, thou gifts of wine. After repeating this couplet, he kissed her hands, and drank, and was drunk, and sat swaying from side to side, and pursued. All drinks wherein is blood the lawn clean, doth hold save one, the blood shed of the vine. Fill, fill, take all my wealth, bequeath the one, thou fawn, the willing wreck. Then the caterers crowned the cup and gave it to the fortress, who took it from her hand and thanked her and drank. Thereupon she poured again and passed to the eldest lady, who sat on the couch, and filled yet another and handed it to the porter. He kissed the ground before them, and after drinking and taking them, he again began to recite. Here, by heavens, here, cups of the sweet, the dear, fill me a brimming bowl, the fount of life I spear. Then the porter stood up before the mistress of the house and said, O lady, I am thy slave, thy mamma, thy white thrall, uh, thy very bondsman. 
And he began reciting. A slave of slaves, there standeth at thy door, louding thy generous boons and gifts galore. Beauty! May he come on a while to joy. Thy charms? For love, and I part nevermore. She said to him, Drink, and health and happiness attend to thy drink. So he took the cup and kissed her hand, and recited these lines in sing-song. I gave her brave old wine. That like her cheeks blushed red, or flamed the furnace flaring up. She abused the brim and said with many a smile, How dost thou deal folks cheek for folk to suck? Drink! I said. These are tears of mine, whose tinct his hot blood sighs have boiled in the cup. She answered him in the following couplet, And tears of blood for me, friend, thou hast shed. Suffer me sup them by thy head and eyes. Then the lady took the cup and drank it off to her sister's help, and they ceased not drinking, the porter being in the midst of them, and dancing and laughing and reciting verses and singing ballads and ritornellos. All this time the porter was carrying on with them, kissing, toying, biting, handling, groping, fingering, whilst one thrust a dainty morsel in his mouth, and another slapped him, and this cupped his cheeks, and that threw sweet flowers at him, and he was in a very paradise of pleasure, as though he were sitting in the seventh sphere among the Curies of heaven, they ceased not doing after this fashion, until the wine played talks in their heads and whispered their wits. The drink got the better of them. The portress stood up and doffed her clothes until she was mother naked. However, she let down her hair about her body by way of shift, and throwing herself into the basin, disported herself, and dived like a duck and swam up and down and took water into her mouth, and spurted it all over the porter, and washed her limbs, and between her breast, and inside her thighs, and all around her neighbor. Then she came up out of the cistern, and throwing herself in the porter's lap, said, O oh my lord, O oh my love, what callest thou this article? Importing to her sleep the solution of continuity. <laughs> I call that like Quoth the porter, and she rejoined, Wah, wah, art thou not ashamed to use such a word? And she caught him by the collar, and soundly cuffed him, and he again, Thy womb, thy vulva. And then she struck him a second slap, crying, Oh fie, oh fie, this is another ugly word. Is there no shame in me? Quoth he, Thy point. And she cried, Oh, thou art wholly destitute of modesty. And thumped and bashed him, then cried the porter, Whereat the eldest lady came down upon him with a yet sore beating, and said, <laughs> No. And he said, Tis so. And the potter went on calling the same commodity by sundry other names. But whatever he said, they beat him more and more till his neck ached and swelled with the blows he had gotten. And on this while, they made him a butt and a laughing stock. At last, he turned upon them asking, And what do you do? Whereto the damsel made answer, The basin of the witches. <laughs> Cried the porter, Thank heaven for my safety! Aid me and be thou propitious, O basil of the bridges! They passed round the cup and tossed off the bowl again, when the second lady stood up and stripping off all her clothes, cast herself into the cistern and did as the first had done. Then she came out of the water and throwing her naked form on the porter's lap, pointing to her machine and said, O light of my nights, do tell me what is the name of this concern? He replied as before, I slipped. And she rejoined, 
had such turn of shame, Wurdi. And cuffed him and buffeted him till the saloon rang with the blows. Then quoth she, Oh, fie, fie! How canst thou say this without blushing? He suggested the basil of the cookies. But she would not have it, and she said, No, no. And stuck him and slapped him on the back of the neck. Then he began calling out all the names he knew. Thy slit, thy wound, thy point, thy littoris. And the girls kept on saying, No, <laughs> no, 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 no. So he said, <laughs> I stick to the base of the bridges. <laughs> <laughs> and all the three laughed till they fell on their back and laid slaps on his neck and said, oh, No, no, that is not its proper name. Thereupon he cried, Oh, my sisters, what is its name? And they replied, What, what says thou to the sisters? Then the caterers donned her clothes and fell again to crowding, but the porter kept moaning. For his neck and shoulders, and the cup passed merrily round and round again for a full hour. After that time, the eldest and handsomest lady stood up and stripped off her garments, whereupon the porter took his neck in his hand and rubbed and shampooed it, saying, My neck and shoulders are on the way of heaven. Then she threw herself into the basin, and swam and dived, assorted and washed, and the porter looked at her naked figure, as though she had been a slice of the moon, and at her face with the sheen of Luna, when it full, or like the dawn, when it brighteneth, and he noted her noble stature, and shape, and those glorious forms that quivered as she went, for she was naked as the Lord made her. Then he cried, Alack! Alack! And began to address her, versifying in these couplets, if I liken thy shape to the bow and grain, likeness airs, and I saw mistake it, for the bow is fairest and clad the most, and thou art fairest with mother naked. When the lady heard his verses, she came up out of the basin, and seating herself upon his lap and knees, pointed to her genitory and said, Oh, my lordling, what be the name of this? Quoth he, <laughs> the basin of the bridges. But she said, Papa, I have me. Pooh, pooh. Then said he, <laughs> And she cried, Fie, fie, art thou not ashamed of thyself? And cuffed him on the nape of the neck, and whatever name he gave, declaring, Tis so. She beat him and cried, no, no, till at last he said, Oh, my sisters, and what is its name? She replied, It is entitled the Khan of Abu Mansur. Whereupon the porter replied, <laughs> Oh, heaven be praised for safe deliverance, O Khan of Abu Mansur. Then she came forth and dressed, and the cup went around a full hour. At last the porter rose up, and stripping off all his clothes, jumped into the tank and swam about and washed under his feet and outfits, even as they had done. Then he came out and threw himself onto the first lady's lap, and rested his arms upon the lap of the portress, and reposed his legs in the lap of the caterers, and pointed to his trickle and said, Oh, my mistress! What is the name of this article? All laughed at his words till they fell on their backs, and one said, Thy pintle? No. And gave each one of them a bite by way of forfeit. Then said they, Thy pistol. 
<laughs> but he cried. No. And gave each of them a hug. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted day. When it was the tenth night, quoth her sister Danyazad, Finish for us thy story? And she answered, With joy and goodly greet, it hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the damsel stinted not saying to the porter, Thy prickly pentils I bristle. And he ceased not kissing and biting and hugging until his heart was satisfied, and they laughed on till they could no more. At last the one said, O our brother, what then is it called? Quoth he, Know ye not? Quoth they, No, no, Then he, Its veritable name is Mule Burst All, which browseth on the basil of the bridges, and muncheth the husk sesame, and nighteth in the Khan of Abu Mansur. (laughs) 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 Then laughed they till they fell on their backs, and returned to their carousel, and ceased not to be after this fashion, till night began to fall. Thereupon said they to the porter, Peace, my lord, master. Up and on with those sorry old shoes of shine, and turn thy face, and show us the breadth of thy shoulders, said he. <gasps> By Allah, to part with my soul would be easier for me than departing from you. Come, let us join night today, and tomorrow morning we will each wend our own way. My life and you suffer him to ferry with us, said the procuratrix, that we may laugh at him. We may live out our lives and never meet his like, for surely he is a right merry rogue and the witty. So, said they, Thou must not remain with us this night, save on condition that thou submit to our commands, and that whatso thou seest, thou ask no questions thereanent, nor inquire of its cause. All right, rejoined he, and they said, Go, Go read the, the writing, writing over, over the, the door. door. So he rose and went to the entrance, and there found written in letters of gold wash. Whoso speaketh of what concerneth him not shall hear what pleaseth him not. The porter said, Be ye witness against me, that I will not speak on whatso concerneth me not. Then the caterers arose and set food before them, and they ate, after which they changed their drinking place for another, and she lighted the lamps and candles, and burned ambergris and aloes wood, and set on fresh fruit, and the wine service, when they fell to grousing and talking of their lovers, and they ceased not to eat and drink and chat, nibbling dry fruits and laughing and playing tricks for the space of a full hour, when lo, a knock-up was heard at the gate. The knocking in no wise disturbed the seance, but one of them rose and went to see what it was, and presently returned, saying, Truly our pleasure for this night is to be perfect. How is How that? Is that? At the gate be three Persian calendars with their beards and heads and eyebrows shaven, and all three blind of the left eye, which is surely a strange chance. They have thrown us from Romland with the mark of travel plain upon them. They have just entered Baghdad, this being their first visit to our city, and the cause of their knocking at our door is simply because they cannot find a lodging. Indeed, one of them said to me, Happily the owner of this mansion let us have the key of his stable, or some old outhouse where we may pass their nights. For evening had surprised them in being strangers in the land, they do none who would give them shelter. And oh, my sisters, each of them is a figure of fun after his own fashion, 
And if we let them in, we shall have matter to make sport of. She gave not over persuading them, till they said to her, Let them in, and make thou the usual condition with them, that they speak not of what concerneth them not, lest they hear what pleaseth them not. So she rejoiced, and going to the door, presently returned with the three monoculars, whose beards and mustachios were clean-shaven, they salam, and stood afar by the way of respect. But the three ladies rose up to them, and welcomed them, and wished them joy of their safe arrival, and made them sit down. The calendars looked at the room, and saw that it was a pleasant place, clean spot, and garnished with cowls, and the lamps were burning, and the smoke of perfumes were spiring in air, and beside the dessert and fruits and wine, there were three fair girls, who might be maidens, so they exclaimed with one voice, Allah, tis good! Then they turned to the porter, and saw that he was a merry-faced wight, albeit he was by no means sober, and was sore after his slappings. So they thought that he was one of themselves, and said, A mendicant like us, whether Arab or foreigner. But when the porter heard these words, he rose up, and fixing his eyes fiercely upon them, said, Sit ye here without exceeding in talk. Have you not read what is writ over the door? Surely it befitteth not fellows who come to us like paupers to wag your tongues at us. We crave thy pardon, O Fakir, and our heads are between thy hands. <laughs> the ladies laughed consumedly at the squabble and making peace between the calendars and the porter, seated the new guests before me, and they ate. They sat together, and the portress served them with drink, and as the cup went round merrily, both the porter to the askers. And you, O brothers mine, have ye no story or rare adventure to amuse us withal? Now the warmth of wine having mounted to their heads, they called for musical instruments, and the portraits brought them a tambourine of Mosul, and a lute of Iraq, and a Persian harp, and each mendicant took one and tuned it, the tambourine and the lute and the harp, and struck up a merry tune. All the ladies sang so lustily that there was a great noise, and whilst they were carrying on, behold, Someone knocked at the gate, and the portraits went to see what was the matter there. Now the cause of that knocking was Shahrazad. O king, what's this? The caliph, Harun al-Rashid, had gone forth from the palace, as was his wont now and then, to solace himself in the city that night, and to see and hear what new things were stirring. He was in much fear, and he was attended by Jafar, his wazir, and by Masrur, his sword of As they walked about the city, their way led them towards the house of the three ladies, where they heard the loud noise of musical instruments and singing and merriment. Oh, I long to enter this house and hear those songs and hear who sings them. So quoth the Caliph to Ja'far. O Prince of the Faithful, these folk are surely drunken with wine, and I fear some mischief betide us if we get amongst them. There is no help but that I go in there, and I desire thee to contrive some pretext for our appearing among them. Ja'far replied, I hear and I obey and knocked at the door, whereupon the petrus came out and opened. Then Ja'far came forward, and kissing the ground before her said, O oh, my lady, we be merchants from Tiberias town, and we arrived at Baghdad ten days ago, and, alighting at the merchant's caravanserai, we sold all of our merchandise. Now a certain trader invited us to an entertainment this night, so we went to his house, and he set food before us, and we ate. Then we sat at wine, and was sailing with him for an hour or so, when he gave us leave to depart. And we went out from him in the shadow of the night, and, being strangers, we could not find our way back to our calm. So, happily of your kindness and courtesy, 
Will you suffer us to tarry with you this night? And heaven will reward you. The porters looked upon them, and seeing them dressed like merchants and men of grave looks and solid, she returned to her sisters and repeated to them Jafar's story. And they looked and they took compassion upon the strangers and said to her, Let, Let them, them enter. enter. She opened the door to them, and when they said to her, <laughs> Have we thy leave to come in? To come in. Quoth she, Come in. And the caliph entered forward by Jafar and Masrur, and when the girls saw them, they stood up to them in respect, and made them sit down and look to their wants, saying, Welcome, and welcome, and good cheer to the guests, but with one condition, asked they. Oh, what is that? What is that? And one of the ladies answered, Speak not of what concerneth you not, lest ye hear what pleaseth you not. Even so. Even so said they, and sat down to their wine and drank deep. Presently the caliph looked on the three calendars, and seeing them, each and every blind of the left eye, wondered at the sight. Then he gazed upon the girls, and he was startled, and he marveled with exceeding marvel at their beauty and loveliness. And they continued to carouse and to converse, and said to the caliph, Drink! 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 But he replied, I am vowed to my pilgrimage, and drew back from the wine. Thereupon the portraits rose, and spreading before him a tablecloth worked with gold, set thereupon a porcelain bowl, into which she poured willow flower water, with a lump of snow and a spoonful of sugar candy. The caliph thanked her, and said in himself, By Allah, I will recompense her for the kind deed she hath done. The others again addressed themselves to conversing and carousing, and when the wine get the better of them, the eldest lady who ruled the house, Rose, making obeisance to them, took the carers by the hand and said, Rise, O my sister, and let us do what is our devoir. Both answered, Even so. Then the portress stood up and proceeded to remove the table service and the remnants of the banquet, and renewed the pastilles and cleared the middle of the saloon. Then she made the calendar sit upon a sofa at the side of the estrade, and seated the caliph and Jafar and Masrur on the other side of the saloon. After which she called the porter and said, How scanty is thy courtesy, now thou art no stranger, nay thou art one of the household. So he stood up, and tightening his waistcloth, asked, What would you have And she answered, Stand in thy place. Then the procurator rose, and set in the midst of the saloon a low chair, and opening a closet, cried to the porter, Come help me! So he went to help her, and saw two black bitches with chains around their necks. And she said to him, Take hold of them! And he took them, and led them into the middle of the saloon. Then the lady of the house arose, and cut up her sleeves above her wrists, and, seizing a scourge, said to the porter, Bring forward one of the bitches. He brought it forward, dragging her by the chain, while the bitch went and shook her head at the lady, who, however, came down upon her with blows on the scones. And the bitch howled, and the lady ceased not beating her till her forearm failed her. Then, casting the scourge from her hands, she pressed the bitch to her bosom, and wiping away her tears with her hands, kissed her head. Then she said to the porter, Take her away and bring the second. And when he brought her, she did with her as she had done with the first. Now the heart of the caliph was touched at these cruel doings. His chest straightened, and he lost all patience in his desire to know why the two bitches were so beaten. He threw a wink at Jafar, wishing him to ask. But the minister, turning towards him, said by signs, Be silent! 
then caught the portrait to the mistress of the house. Will my lady arise and go to thy place that I in turn may do my devoir? She answered, Even so. And taking her seat upon the couch of juniper wood, targeted with gold and silver, said to the portress and the caterers, Now do ye what ye have to do. Thereupon the portress sat upon a low seat by the couch side, but the procuratrix entering a closet brought out of it a bag of satin with green fringes and two tassels of gold. She stood up before the lady of the house, and shaking the bag, drew out from it a lute, which she tuned by tightening its pegs, and when it was in perfect order, she began to sing these quatrains. Ye are the wish, the enemy, and when, O oh love, thy sight I see, the heavenly mansion open. But hell I see when lost thy sight, from thee comes madness, no delay, comes highest joy, comes ecstasy. Nor in my love for thee I fear, or shame and blame, or hate and spite. When love was thrown within my heart, I rent the veil of modesty, instincts not love to rend that veil, guarding disgrace and grace to a light. The robe of sickness then I don, but rent to rags of secrecy, wherefore my love and longing heart Proclaim your high supremest might, the teardrop railing down my cheek, teareth my tale of ignominy, and all the hate was seen by all, and all my riddle read aright. Heal then my malady, for thou art malady and remedy, but she whose cure is in thy hand shall ne'er be free of bane and bright. Burn me those iron that radiance rain, slay me the swords of fantasy. How many hath the sword of love lain low, their high degree despite, yet will I never cease to pine, nor to oblivion will I flee. Love is my heart, my face, my joy, public and private, wrong and right. O oh, happy eyes that sight thy child, that gaze upon thee at their grief, yet of my purest wish and will, the slave of love, all I be highs. When the damsel heard this elegy in quatrains, she cried out, <laughs> Alas, alas! And rent her raiment, and fell to the ground fainting, and the caliph saw scars of the palm rod on her backs, and the wells of the whip, and marveled with exceeding wonder. Then the portraits arose, and sprinkled water on her, and brought her a fresh and very fine dress, and put it on her. But when the company beheld these doings, their minds were troubled. They had no inkling of the case, nor knew the story thereof. So the caliph said to Ja'far, Did thou not see it discussed upon the damsel's body? No, I cannot keep silent or be at rest till I learn the truth of her condition and the story of this other maiden and the secrets of those two black bitches. O oh, our lord, they made it a condition with us that we speak not of what concerneth us not, lest we come to hear what pleaseth us not. Then said the portress, By Allah, O oh my sister, come to me and complete this service for me. Replied the procuratrix, With joy and goodly grief, so she took the lute and leaned it against her breast and swept the strings with her fingertips and began singing. Give back mine eyes the sleep long ravish and say me whither be my reason fled. I learned that lending to thy love a place 
sleep to mine eyelids mortal foe was near. They said we heard the righteous, we led thy soul. Go ask his glorious eyes, I said. I pardon all my blood he pleased to spill. Owning his troubles drove him blood to shame. On my man's mirror sun like sheen he cast, whose keen reflection fire in vitals bred. Waters of life, let Allah waste at will. Suffice my wage, those lips of dewy red. And thou address my love, thou'lt find a curse. For plaint and tears, or root, or lusty head. In water pure his form shall greet your eye. When fails the bowl, no needy drink of wine. Then she quoted from the same old. I drank, but the draught of his glance. Not one, and this swain gets swayed to keep this one. Twas not great, she scrapes me, but grasp it fast. Twas not bold or better, but gives divine. His calling curl lets my soul in it, and his cruel will all my wits outwit. After a pause, she resumed. If we plan of absence, what shall we say? Or if pain afflict us, where wend our way? And I hire a trudgeman to tell my tale. The lover's plaint is not told for pay. If I put on patience, a lover's alive. After loss of love will not last a day. Naught is left me now but regret, repine, and tears flooding cheeks forever and day. O thou who the babes of these eyes hast death, thou art homed in heart and shall never stray. Would heaven I what hast thou kept our pact, Long as dream shall cow to have firmest faith? Or hast forgotten the weeping slave, Whom groans afflict, on whom griefs waylay? Ah, when severance ends and we side by side, God shall blame thy rigors, and shy thy pride. Now when the portress heard her second order, She shrieked aloud and said, By Allah! Tis right good. And laying hands on her garments, tore them, as she did the first time, and fell to the ground fainting. Thereupon the procuratrix rose, and brought her a second change of clothes after she had sprinkled water on her. She recovered, and sat upright, and said to her sister the cateress, Onwards, and help me in my duty, for there remains but this one song. So the provisioners again brought out the lute, and began to sing these verses. How long shall last, how long this rigor rife of war, may not suffice thee all these tears thou seest flow, our parting thus with purpose felt thou cost prolong, is it not enough to glad the heart of envious foe, where but this lying world once true to love her heart, he had not watched the weary night in tears of woe, Oh, pity me, whom overwhelmed thy cruel will. My lord, my king, this time to truth to me thou show. To whom reveal my wrongs, O thou who murdered me, sad, who a broken throat the pangs must undergo. Increase love wild for thee and frenzy hour by hour, and the days of exile minute by so long, so slow. O Muslims, claim vendetta for the slave of love, whose love sleep ever wastes, whose patience love lays low. Doth law of love allow thee, O my wish, to lie, lapped in another's arms, 
and unto me, cry go. Yet in thy presence say what joy shall I enjoy when he I love but works my love to overthrow. When the portress heard the third song, she cried aloud and laying hands on her garments, rent them down to the very skirt and fell to the ground fainting a third time, again showing the scars of the scourge. Then said the three calendars, Would heaven we had never entered this house, but I'd rather write it on the mounds and heaps outside the city. For verily our visit hath been troubled by sights which cut to the heart. The caliph turned to them and asked, Why so? And they made answer, Our minds are so troubled by this matter. Quoth the caliph, Are you not of the household? And quoth they, No, 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 nor indeed did we ever set eyes on the place to within this hour. Here the caliph marveled and rejoined, This man who sitteth by you, would he not know the secret of the matter? And so saying, he winked and made signs at the porter. So they questioned the man, but he replied, By the almighty of Allah, in love all are alike. I am the growth of Baghdad, yet never in my born days did I darken these doors till today, and my companying with them was a curious matter. By Allah, we took thee for one of them, and now we see they are out like ourselves. Then said the Caliph, We be seven men, and they only three women, without even a foot to help them. So let us question them of their kiss. And if they answer us not, then we will be answered by force. All of them agreed to this, except to Ja'afar, who said, This is not my wrecking. Let them be, for we are their guests, and, as ye know, they made a compact and condition with us which we accepted and promised to keep. Wherefore, it is better that we be silent concerning this matter, and, as but little of the night remaineth, let each and every of us gang his own gate. Then he winked at the caliph and whispered to him, There is but one hour of darkness left, and I can bring them before thee tomorrow, where thou canst freely question them all concerning their story. But the caliph raised his head haughtily and cried out at him in wrath, saying, I have no patience left for my longing to hear of them. Let the gallantest question them forthright. This is not my day. Then words ran high and talk answered talk and they disputed as to who should first put the question. But at last all fixed upon the porter, and as the jingle increased, the house mistress could not but notice it, and asked them, Oh, you folk, on what matter are you talking so loudly? Then the porter stood up respectfully before her and said, Oh, my lady, this company earnestly desires that thou acquaintest them with the story of the two bitches and what maketh thee punish them so cruelly, and then thou fallest to weeping over them and kissing them. And lastly, they want to hear the tale of thy sister, and why she hath been bastoned with palm sticks like a man. These are the questions they charged me to put, and peace be with thee. Thereupon quoth she, who is the lady of the house, to the guests, Is this true that he saith on your part? And all replied, Yes! 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 Then Jafar, who kept silence, when she heard these words, she cried, By Allah, ye have wronged us! O our guests, with grievous wrongings, for when ye came before us, we made compact and condition with you, that whoso speak of what concerneth him not, should hear what pleaseth him not. Sufficeth ye not that we took you into our house, and fed ye with our best food? But the fault is not so much yours, as hers who let you in. 
Then she tucked up her sleeves from her wrist and struck the floor thrice with her hand, crying, Come ye quickly! And lo, a closet door opened, and out of it came seven negro slaves with drawn swords in hand, to whom she said, Pinion me these praetors' elbows, and bind them each to each. They did her bidding, and asked her, Avail the virtues, since by our command we strike off their earth. What she answered? Leave them a while that I question them of their condition, before their necks feel the sword. Cried the porter. By Allah, O oh my lady, slay me not for this sin. All these men offended and deserve the penalty of crime save myself. Now by Allah, our night had been charming had we escaped the mortifications of those monocular calendars whose entrance into a populous city would convert it into a hollowing wilderness. Then he repeated these verses. How fair is Ruth! The strong man designs not smother, and fairest fair when shown to weakest brother. By love's own holy tie between us twain, let one not suffer for the sin of another. When the porter ended his verse, the lady laughed, <laughs> and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the eleventh night, it hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the lady, after laughing at the porter despite her wrath, came up to the party and spake thus. Tell me who you be, for ye have but an hour of life, and were ye not men of rank, and perhaps nobles of your tribe, ye had not been so forward, and I had hastened your doom. Then said the caliph, Woe to thee, O Ja'afar! Tell her who we are, lest we be slain by mistake, and speak of fear before some horror befall us. Tis part of thy deserts, replied he, whereupon the caliph cried out at him, saying, there is a time for witty words, and there is a time for serious work. Then the lady accosted the three calendars and asked them, Are ye brothers? When they answered, No, no, by Allah, we be not but fakirs and foreigners. Then quoth she to one among them, Wast thou born blind of one eye? No, by Allah, it is a marvelous matter, and a wondrous mischarge, which caused my eye to be torn out. And mine is a tale which, if it were written upon the eye corners, would be a greater's. We are the one to those who be warned. She questioned the second and third calendar, but all replied like the first. By Allah, O oh, our mistress, each one of us cometh from a different country. And we are all three the sons of kings, sovereign princes ruling over suzerains and capital cities. Thereupon she turned towards them and said, Let each and every of you tell me his tale in due order, and explain the cause of his coming to our place. And if his story please us, let him stroke his head and wend his way. Then first to come forward was the Hamal, the porter, who said, Oh my lady, I'm a man and porter. This dame, the cateress, hired me to carry a load and took me first to the shop of a vintner, then to the booth of a butcher, thence to the stall of a fruiterer, thence to the grocer, who also sold dry fruits, thence to a confectioner, and a pufirma cream druggist, and from him to this place where there happened to me, with you what happened. Such is my story, and peace be on us all. At this the lady laughed and said, <laughs> Rub thy head and wend thy ways. But he cried, By Allah, I will not stump till I hear the stories of my companions. Then came forward one of the monoculars and began to tell her the first calendar's tale.
1001 Arabian Nights Audio Drama Order of Battle Part 1 The First Calendar's Tale from Sir Richard Burton's Timeless Classic Arabian Nights Entertainment Features Richard Garner as Porter Cassandra Vladislava as Caterer Karen Kaler as Portrait Natalie Von Christine Eldest Lady as Davis as Poet Karen Heyman as Daniel Zod Marguerite Sherzad Patrick Seymour First Calendar Dave Patterson Second Calendar Warren Blackie Third Calendar Zeke Ubiquitous Voice and Masrur the Sworder, Anthony Abomaly, Khalif Harun al-Rashid, Dustin Dar as Jafar, Cameron Nihad as Wicked Wazir, TJ from Newgrounds as Seven Slaves, music featuring Fantasy in the Wall, Joyful Shimmer, Esoteric Arcana by Stefan Secchi, licensed by FootageFarm.com, Ottoman Izmir Folk Music Courtesy, Xavier Sara at Freesound.org, Lost Oud, Turkish Delight and A Castle of Azerbaijan by Charles Zuber, sound effects from Freesound.org, opening and ending credit theme Inner by Steve Irwin, Arabian Adventures by Music Bakery, licensed by AudioSparks.com, Desert Gems Audio, copyright 2013, all rights reserved.